0: never has a project won with the quantity of votes that we have won. It's the highest percentage in all of history. They say that Salvadorians are oppressed, that Salvadorians don't want the emergency measures, that Salvadorians are afraid of their government. Let God tell the journalists to accompany us on this night of total freedom and total security here in the safest country of the Western Hemisphere. Don't be scared of me. I'm just a politician, an official. Believe in the Salvadorian people. We are on the cusp of winning the war against the gangs. Literally, we went from being, it's not an exaggeration, it's not hyperbole, we went from being the most dangerous country in the world to being the most secure in all the Western Hemisphere.
1: Welcome to What's Left, a, week, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. Uh, I'm Eduardo Barca with co host, teacher and socialist Andy Leprison and uh, socialist Kenny Cepeda. We're online at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find that link to our site in the episode notes. You can also find my personal social media handle as at Eduardo Barca on Instagram. And please subscribe, rate to view, turn on your notifications, share your favorite episode where we found this episode. Thank you. Uh, we still have shirts, right, Andy? Just wanted to be sure. Yes, if anyone wants a What's Left shirt, you can always find our What's Left shirt with Andy. You can just email us.
2: Right, and or, it's not like what we do is we uh, we order the shirt when everyone when anyone wants one, so you don't keep us inventory or anything like that. So. Right. All right. Um, here I am from Bogota,
1: Colombia, here, uh, and California. And, um, uh, for both of you, uh, let's see what, what I had suggested during what was it we had a discussion on the weekend, and I think it was or Monday. And yeah. I had suggested some time now, uh, Naibu Bukele, uh, is the just recently elected president of El Salvador. The inauguration will happen the first of June. And I had thought this was an interesting conversation since Kenny and I have brought him up just. A few brief moments in time, if I remember correctly. And uh, and this, I think, is an important issue because there's a lot that we have covered that is so related to El Salvador and to uh, what Bukele is doing. And I think that we'll have a, a lively discussion out of it. So if any, there is anything that... Well, he was elected last week, so that's why for I think... Term. For the second For the second term, yeah. Yeah. anything you both want to add before
3: we um that's the topic of today of this week's episode i mean maybe i want to ask you like what what do you want to talk about him like what what is it that you know catch, catches your attention uh, about this particular election um in in this individual Nayib Bukele? right well, well why don't we start then, like like
1: this yeah. I, i'm so I'm I'm living here in Latin America in in, in Colombia, and there is a strong uh, support for Nayib Bukele, and a lot of with just a lot of places here, whether it be in Mexico, uh, whether it be Colombians uh, that are against the corruption, whether it be Venezuelans, which also surprises me. Uh, there is a lot of uh, support for him in Central America as well. And mostly that support has been because of gang violence in Central America. Mostly it has been support because of uh, he is, as he deems himself, the coolest dictator. Uh, and in my country, a lot of my compatriotas, my uh, Mexican uh, paisanos, my uh, my uh, people who are Mexican, they want Bukele because of the, narcotraficante, the, the, the drug trafficking that happens in Mexico, and so this is something that I think people are looking for that sort of control, um, a measured control. Someone who has to, the the stronghold and wants someone to have this um, to do something right for the country, which I understand. I understand completely. I I understand the sentiment. I have been to El Salvador. I have been to San Salvador, the capital of El Salvador. I have been to El which is a tourist area. A I've been there. I understand the people. I understand their fears. Uh, and I'm Mexican. I, I, I understand that traveling to Chihuahua or traveling to Sinaloa or traveling to uh, parts of Guerrero are frightening to travel to places I've never been to because uh, I know how dangerous it can be I understand completely I'm Mexican so this is not something I, I don't want people to feel like I'm disassociated or don't understand the sentiment like I, this is not something I hate hope oh, this is something that hits to me personally I want people to feel safe I obviously want people to feel as safe as I feel in this neighborhood right now where I'm living at, because I'm in a sort of middle-class neighborhood and so I, I, I understand people's sentiment he's got he's gathered uh ninety percent support um, uh of the salvadorian population's support so get it the issue i think that I have with this is that we have seen if we look at history we've always seen uh dictators uh we've seen people who have done taken over Emergency powers. We don't. We we can even look at the USA with COVID. <laughs> people taking advantage of emergency powers. The issue is, is is that when any time something is disguised as safety, anything is disguised as um, right for the people, and it's popular at first, right? We see dictators always coming in with. Good intentions. I mean, we look at Chavez, we look at uh, Fidel Castro. We can even go look at Hitler. How he was trying to encourage people uh, when out of the First World War, um, the German people were very uh, disillusioned. Were at a very, um, the morale was low, and Hitler came about and had this. Uh, he encouraged people. He was able to uplift people's spirit and was able to get that popular support. If we look at History in the USA as well. I mean, we have always had moments of despair where someone comes in and takes advantage of that despair and uplifts your voice and says, don't worry, we can take care of this and we can do this. And you always feel like this is the the path. What's surprising, and I'm trying to figure out is, you know, we look at the civil war before this, I was just sitting here and i was reading the civil war and uh, kenny you're you're
3: such you're up uh, you mean the civil war in el salvador right salvador, in el salvador. I, go ahead I, I just i just want to say that you know i think that we will have to kind of give more context as to what what was happening in El salvador right like because you're talking about you know he came in right and he came in with like this iron fist and you know, in combination with uh, other reforms uh, to, you know, um, yeah. gain the support of the population. Um, and uh, but, but I don't know. I mean, I think this is a good point, you know, to to say how, how was how did El Salvador become the what it was called the murder capital of the world? Because it had the highest homicide rates. Um, gang violence is rampant. You know, that is true. Uh, I. I know personally people who have lost family members who got shot, you know, because either they didn't pay a, a, a the the fee, you know, the tax. tax. Essentially, they they call it a, a, a war, war tax. You know, gangs charge certain taxes for people to conduct businesses or to just live in peace. You know, I know this because it happens in Guatemala. Some of the same gangs, you know, um, do have a, a significant level of control of certain communities, not everywhere, right, at least in Guatemala, and I know that El Salvador has been affected greatly, right, it, it, and I bring this up because uh, this uh, level of uncertainty for the normal people, right, because you obviously have your ruling elite who, they live a little more sheltered lives, right, they, they're not in, in the neighborhoods that, you know, most people are, and so, um, and this Bukele comes from these people, you know, he is not, uh, you know, one who, who came uh, from the bottom up. He comes from business people. He himself was a businessman at a young age, made a lot of money. Um, and then he became a, 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 a mayor of a small town, became mayor of the capital, right, which is where a lot of the violence happens, uh, the gang violence. Um, and he is successful, or at least the perception was that he was successful, right? And and now as president, he's created a big apparatus of supposedly, supposed war against gang violence, even though there has been connections. uh, When he was a mayor of San Salvador, he had a pact with the gangs, you know, in order to, uh, which did decrease uh, the murder rates. But again, I only bring this up because how do we, how did we get here? You know, how do you, why does Salvador become so violent? And you just brought up the civil war, you know, and um, I don't know if you want to talk more about that
2: or, um, you know, because, or do you want me to? Maybe I, go it? Well, one thing, we're, you know, people who are following this, um, we want, it might be worth saying, number one, that uh, Bukele, was successful in making a, a dramatic decrease in extortion and killings in the major cities by essentially rounding up whole bunches of people throughout the cities and putting them in prison to the point where I think anywhere from between one and 2% of the population in El Salvador is actually in prison right now. Um, that, that's a, that's a massive percentage of people in, in the, in the prisons. Um, and see if I got this right. It appears that all the, the 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 dragnet of imprisonment was really at the bottom level of the extortion of the gangs. It's almost I thought I read something where he had more he it wasn't the top leaders of the gangs that were necessarily facing problems. like there were more arrangements made with that. That was implied by one of the things I read. Did you guys read anything like that, or am I just do you know anything about the difference between? Just a bunch of people off the street being picked up versus the known, quote, ringleaders. Do you know anything about that? I I, I don't know anything for
3: a fact. Uh, again, I, it's speculation, you know, because, again, he was the major of San Salvador. He was able to decrease uh, the murder rate because he came with, uh, you know, with a pact, uh, you know, with these two groups, because it's the MS-13 and the 18 gang in uh, and then um, that lasted for a while, you know. That pact, which you know, they were still running their stuff, you know, their 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 organization. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, it's like we don't know how deeply connected the official state, right, yeah, it, to these gangs, right, because they do. There is communication back and forth, uh, as demonstrated by that pact, right, right, and, and um, and so I, I know that you know we were talking prior to recording, like he built this pre- massive prison of 40,000 pe- people. And, you know, like, it, there's, uh, my understanding, there is no bloodshed on the streets. Because at this point, you're going to war with, with you know, an organization um, that supposedly operates in a clandestine way, right? You know, it makes me think of what we call terrorists, right? What America calls terrorists, that, they're not out in the open. They have, you know, ways of hiding and, you know, and, and it's not easy to get them. You know, this is, in a way, it's like, it's like what I feel is happening is, is the the PR that Israel is doing against the Palestinians. I'm not saying that, you know, equating the gangs to Palestinian or Hamas or anything. All I'm saying is the parallels of an underground organization that doesn't operate in, a, you know, in an official, formal way. So there has ability to hide in the population, and, and and so it does bring suspicion to me, right? Like, why is there not bloodshed when you're you're hitting them hard? You know, like, and and again, it's shown previously that there right. was a pact, and and so it, to me, it does bring some, you know, uh,
2: value to what you're saying, Lipson, to that question, like, yeah. you know, yeah. like, I had read stuff that made it appear that the top layers of the gang leaders, there was agreements have been reached. It's all everyone at the bottom who's being arrested. And of course, people who there are people, plenty of people who have no connections to gangs getting thrown in jail. They don't get they don't have a right to a due, due process. They just are in, in prison and they're in prison for months and even now years. Um, uh, but the thing to know is that the the murder rates have gone down. People who said they did not feel they could walk in cities and now are out in the cities and things like that. So it had an actual impact on people's lives that they felt. Um, and the other big thing is there's things in the constitution of, the, of El Salvador that suggest that Bukele can only have run once and now he's getting reelected. Uh, and of course, there were people who looked at it from the judicial side who said maybe he can get reelected. But then people are saying, well, those are Bukele appointees that actually supported his re-election. So some people are saying that his re-election is undemocratic. Undemocratic or not, I think he got 85 percent of the vote. Like and it wasn't like this is not a vote like in the United States where the where you've got electronic craziness and we have fake votes here. This is a genuine Central American Honest election, if you will, <laughs> not the crooked shit that happens in the United States. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, he got eighty five percent of the vote. I mean, no question this man is supported by the mass population. And I think one of the things that I remember you saying, Eduardo is like to say this this is the kind of popularity that you imagine could be for candidates who don't just promise something but deliver, but deliver by by putting a powerful punch to working people, right? You know, he's he's attacking one section of the working class and other section of workers are like, oh, well, you you helped us or you seem to clean up the streets. We're going to support you. And that's what it seems like you were worried about is that kind of figure emerging elsewhere in elections across the country and across, I mean, across the world.
1: I mean, I think it's a trap, right? Like I, I was trying to try I transmit, I was trying to express I. Had, I think these things, I, like I, I started off with understanding the sentiment of the Salvadorian people. I have friends who are Salvadorian I and I have been in that country and I understand people's insecurity. I don't want to dismiss that at all. I don't want people to think that I don't I want to continuously say that because people when I speak about this online or in person, I think people assume that I I don't un, they assume I don't understand uh, their their sentiment, their fears. They keep saying, you're not Salvadoran. you don't understand, you don't live here, you don't understand, this is not human rights issue. And it's like, I don't even wanna talk about it from the standpoint of human rights issue. I mean, I, I, I wanna just pick this up. This is something I read, I was looking up stuff. And just notably in March, 2022, he initiated a crackdown on the country's gangs that began with the imposition of state emergency. What does that sound like? If we sniff further, the state emergency crackdown, by the way, he wasn't good on COVID, is very similar to these state emergencies that we have seen in Australia. We have seen in the UK, we have seen in the USA, we have seen in Colombia and other parts of the con- other parts of the world and granted special powers to the police and suspended the right of association, meaning the right to be informed of the reason of an arrest and the right to access to a lawyer. I'm not going to enter so much if I'm supportive of their legal system because I think legal systems in every capitalist country has their own benefits to, firmly, well, to serve the rich, the elite. But I'm just saying, when you have a when you have certain rules that you're going to suspend because you want to exercise your your state of emergency, your exercise of powers, we're already seeing the effects of that. What happens when you when when people do that and they take advantage of that? And you know, notably in Australia, we've seen it in China with drones. We've seen it in even in California, where you both are at right now, with uh, Newsom's lockdowns. And we see that even with how he did he handled COVID. I mean, I'm going to continue here. The government was free to open the mail or monitor the phone calls of anyone suspected of gang activity. And by February 2024, which is now some 75,000 Salvadorians, more than one percent of the country's total population, as you said, Andy, had been arrested and incarcerated. As of 2023, it was the most. The rate of incarceration was the highest in the world, and this a small country, and you know, I, I'm just so I'm not I mean I can go into details of what has happened, but when we look at this, I I don't want people I guess I, I'm trying to not, not, not what I want. It's about speaking up now before people get too comfortable with what could happen in the future when we have seen this happen and played out in history. And you know there are whispers of Bukele trying to unite Honduras and Guatemala, your country, Kenny, and to make it into one association, one whole, I don't know if it's one country or one, what what kind of unification he's trying to do. And I'm pretty sure, just as he's done with these elections, because you're supposed to run one term, and you're supposed to go for four years only. And yes, as you said, Andy, he picked out his appointees, his five justices, and he also uh, took away the general attorney and put pointed one himself and that was independent. Now he put one himself. What, what his future prospects are, you know, and he's a first big time Bitcoin kind of person. So there's all kinds of data going to be tracked and and, and surveillance. Did you want to say something, Kenny?
3: I think that, you know, it's important to understand that he, so he, he, he arrived as a messianic figure, right, for desperate people because, you know, the situation was fucking desperate. You know, there's no denying that, you know, I don't think I could be in someone's shoes, right? We can talk about fucking how shitty shit is in, in the U.S., right? And, and But I think it's different when, like, you're seeing people getting shot down, right? And there are communities here that are just like San Salvador, you know, in parts of El Salvador. Absolutely there are, you know, and. You know, go to Chicago, parts of fucking Oakland. You know, there are shootings that don't get reported all the time. You know, people who get, you know, uh, who are trying to survive at the bottom of the pile. You know, <laughs> they, they they do what they have to do. You know, and and so I think it's important to not forget that you know he is delivering right, like in some ways, in what people are asking for out of desperation, right? In 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 terms of like. So let's get stuck to our listeners. Bukele started his political career as a leftist, you know, as a radical, quote unquote leftist, uh, the uh, a party that was uh, that came out of the revolutionary, uh, you know, forces, right, that, that fought the civil war, that were trying to overthrow the capitalist state, whatever. And so he came.
1: About the National Liberation yeah. Front,
3: yeah. And so I- essentially, like. It's almost like the communist, you know, party, <laughs> like or at least the, the 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 red party, right? Like he became a president of a small place. He made some reforms. He put a lot of money into, you know, like the youth, uh, and then he went to become a, a major, as a, a, also a leftist, and then he wanted to run for president, and then he was thrown out of the party, and you know because he was at that point he was notable. Like, and I know this because I've had family members who are from Salvador who I know, I, ha- I had a pulse on how popular he was when he was a major of San Salvador and people absolutely w- were behind him. And he's, uh, and, and also a lot of people supported this idea of the iron fist, right? Because they are fed up with with the, you know, the murder, the impunity, um, you know, the quote unquote negligence in, of, of the official state um and so he was thrown out of the leftist party he's not gonna go to the right wing party he uh, forms an alliance with a third party uh because he wasn't allowed he also created his own party like nuevas ideas right something like that uh, new ideas yeah and he uh he was not allowed to register to run for president through the mechanism sorry that like a form mechanism so then he made this alliance he can run for president. he wins on the first try. So in El Salvador, like you have to win at least 51% of the votes uh, to not have a runoff. If you only get 49%, you have to run against the second, you know, person with the most votes. And then like, and it's decided then, you know, whoever gets the majority. He didn't have to go to a runoff. He won, you know, a, a, with like 52% or something.
2: Uh, and then, now, he goes to... Oh, his- and Kenny, just to point one thing out, that's because there's more than two candidates. It's like, Multiple yeah. candidates running. So generally, no one's going to get above 50% in El Salvador. That's just to point yeah. that out. And yeah. the party that he
3: was part of, the leftist party, got crushed in, that, in those elections. He, get, he gets 22%. That party got like 17% after having been in power for a while, you know, and, and not delivering what they said they were going to deliver. Um, and so, again, here we are. He gets to power. He does things that do seem suspicious, raise alarm. If you're someone looking from outside in, in terms of like that, resemble a classic dictator, right? Because I think there is another conversation to be had about dictatorship, right? Because you know um, whether it takes the form that he's evoking, or the one that I'm suffering at on my job site right now, <laughs> where I'm getting fucking crushed, you know, yeah. uh, or the censorship that I'm facing, we are facing, right? Like in the U.S. Again, I think we have to use our imagination more widely to to really see, you know, that we are between a hard rock and a hard place.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And nonetheless, Salvadorians have chosen this option because he is delivering, and they are making a comp- you know a, a, some sort of compromise in using again the mechanisms of existence and tweaking them along the way, you know. But again, he is at least. In, in, in optics, delivering El Salvador just hosted Miss Universe. You know that's an international event. This is a tiny country of like six to seven million people, and they hosted Miss Universe and the Salvadorian, in the Nicaraguan, another Central American candidate won Miss Universe, which became major news, right? So the, he's putting the the focus on this tiny region, right? So no, no doubt he's popular in Guatemala, who's also suffering from similar things that El Salvador is. You know, in Honduras, absolutely. Honduras must be second to them or first in the murder rate in terms of, you know, gang violence and stuff. Um, and so, yes, you know, he he is having a lot of success on top of the fact that he comes from a background of PR. <laughs> you know, he, his family's uh, success is, a, a, at least from what I understand, has a lot to do with the PR they provided to that leftist party that he was part of once. Because, you know, he, he has pulled an Obama and a Trump, you know, uh, combined because uh, he is using the youth. He's going to the social social media, you know, skipping the, the mainstream channels. He, uh, he also is attacking mainstream media, you know, and saying that they're always lying, which is not, he's not, he's not necessarily lying, you know, like, he he is, he is speaking in a populist way to what people think, what people know, and so I'm not surprised he is being successful, and I'm I'm not saying any of this to defend him, right, like, uh, it's just that we have to see the reality, right, like, of, of, of what's happening, and, you know, again, but then this is where, like, we have to analyze, right, like, the What does this mean? Like in terms of like uh, what is he aiming at? Who is he what because the world is changing. There are groupings being made. Central America, and I'm sorry I'm running on, but you know, this is like kind of my playground. Like Central America uh is where I was born, you know, where I've lived. And you know, like there is a lot of commonality in these countries that you mentioned, Eduardo. And so I wouldn't be surprised. Central America does have technically a free open borders. Like, they, you know, I don't, at least when I was growing up, Salvadorians, Hondurans would come to Guatemala uh, in work and work and then come, you know, free flow in and out. You know, the border was in Mexico, <laughs> you know, not, not so much in Central America. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not surprised that he's looking for, you know, like some sort of, economic grouping right because it, it, and he has ambitions and he is looking into bitcoin as a sort of tool for liberation and that, that's a whole other topic but all i want to say is like he's delivering stuff you know for for people who are tired of that binary right like the right wing and left wing and what the compromise is i do have my high suspicions just like you do you know f- because. Again, he's not a revolutionary. <laughs> he's a reformist. You know, he, he, he thinks that, you know, within the parameters of the system, he's gonna be able to deliver, sustain, and maintain, you know whatever changes he, he's he's trying to bring to 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 the country. And so uh I'll stop there. Uh no, I, I agree completely,
1: Kenny, you are um correct. And if you want to look further into how he runs things, you can look at the way he did things in COVID, which also massive lockdowns and arrests of innocent people. I'm not sure, Andy, if you wanted to take it or should I continue?
2: Um, I guess only to say that this is going to like this is a a word. I think people should. Well, let me put it this way. I'm worried about things like this, not because, oh, he's a dictator. I feel like the biggest dictator we live under is Biden. You know, I think and I think Biden's election was not democratic. It was the opposite of democratic. I think he he they rigged the election so that Biden could in, in in behind the scene ways and in direct ways, whether it be through machines and things like that. El Salvador had an election. El Salvador had a situation where the people got to vote and they voted for this guy. This dictator, so-called dictator is, did not stuff ballots to become elected. What he did was he cracked the skulls of 2% of the population so that the other 90% would vote for him. And that, and people, and what, what you see here is, once again, people looking to the state for answers, looking for this. And and Eduardo, you raised the idea of he, he, he talked about, or he, he, he did the state of emergency. The state of emergency has been going on for about two years since those those murders happened. Like, the state of emergency was launched when a a, a string of murders took place in some of the cities, and then he cracked down. And, and then there's just been an ongoing state of emergency. Have we all seen that before, right? And nevertheless, this is a crackdown that the people are embracing, and this is a crackdown but of the state that is getting eighty five percent of the vote, and that is worrying to me um, because. We don't have that here. The crackdown we had here barely was able to get itself elected because people, there was a whole set of people who were unhappy about what was happening. But I do believe, and I think like the question around immigration, that the way that immigrants are being talked about, is like, who, who can the state go after to win the massive support of its population? Because when that happens all in my opinion all these states are run on dictatorships because they are all the rule of the of the local bourgeoisie so the, those are all bourgeois dictators capitalism is a bourgeois dictatorship democracy is a is merely a a disguise put around all these systems to make it seem like people have a vote that's true in the united states that's actually really true in el salvador no no worker has control of their of, of their of their of their lives through the, through their government the government is a capitalist government Um, but in this case, workers voted for, for dictatorship, if you will. And what do you do then? Um, I think there is a, this is just a worrisome tale about what, what direction things go unless you, unless you fight or unless you try to go for revolution, because this is reform. And this is reform that delivered, not reforms that they said they were going to deliver. It delivered. It actually made a difference in people's lives. And for that reason, it was rewarded. And now they're going to go on and and do more. Um, But I I do believe that, you know, I I feel like people, how are we going to get it so that people no longer look at the state as something that will solve their problems? Because I am convinced that all those people who right now are thinking Bukele is, is the savior, when the time comes, that same state is going to come and mess those people up. And, and he he's he's very political politically
3: savvy in this way because you know one of the ways he was able to so-called do his dictatorship you know like go to the Congress full of you know the opposition you know the leftists FMLN Arena the conservative party uh, and who were refusing to to give him what he needed, right? Like, So he went to the cops, <laughs> he went to the arm, you know, the repressive arm, of the, uh, and he got them on his side. He said, I'm trying to get money for you so you can do your job. You know, so he showed up to Congress with he, with them behind him, you know, and, and he knows with power lines, you know, in terms of, of violence, he knows that he has to increase you know, the repressive apparatus ability to actually have control uh, of, 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 of society, and you know, like, and again, let's not pretend he, he he's not stupid. He knows that the Salvadoran police is as corrupt as any police in any world. You know, he, he knows that these cops have ties to organized crime as any other police, you know, force in the world, you know, but he knows optics and he knows, you know, that he if he doesn't have their support, there is no fucking quote unquote his revolution or his reform, his reform is revolution. You know, and, and, and so and he knows that the laws, he studied law himself, like he didn't finish college, but he 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 knows the law and, and, and he knows that the the cops in the process of quote unquote cleaning up are gonna commit a bunch of injustices and crimes against, you know, completely innocent people. You know, and, and he's willing to throw them into in the can, you know, and, and, and take this mano dura, which was a policy in Central America, not just in Salvador, of anyone of suspicion of being of gang membership, me, if I go to Guatemala and the Salvador, by being shaved head and just having tattoos, they can stop me, interrogate me, take me to jail, just because they have suspicion. All right, so... I'm sorry, but I've been
1: told to hide my I've been told to hide my my tattoo when I was in El Salvador and in Guatemala because of that. And
3: and, and I understand, you know, like, you know, El Salvador, just like most of the world, is a conservative place, you know, and and they associate certain things with good behavior and and bad behavior. Right. And like and and they're willing to, you know, this is not scandalous to them, you know, because if you're behaving you're not, you know, just, just do the right things, you know, and then you're not going to be in trouble. But the fact is, is, a lot of people, just like, you know, fishermen, when they throw a big net, a lot of innocent fish get caught in the net, you know. And, and then, you know, when the repressive apparatus is built up, you know, we know what's happened. We know the story. You, you've talked about it. And 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 so we'll see how long this romance lasts, you know. Uh, And and, and it is like, and it is also scary because he is able to wield an enchantment, (laughs) you know, because when he built that fucking 40,000 person, you know, and people can go to YouTube and and look at the images, look, and I get it, you know, the, uh, you know, a lot of prisoners have committed very, you know, horrible crimes. They have, you know, um. and, but go see those images and, 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 and tell me if that's a promising image, you know, of, of of a future, you know, where like, again, just by suspicion, you can be thrown under the net of the state uh and, you know, and, and try to change that, right? Like tr- once the, the repressive apparatus is built up. And, and so, you know, on top of the other suspicious shit that, that's happening and was telling Lipson that I, I I am not so convinced he's an independent character, you know, in the, you know, uh, geopolitical sphere, you know, like he's not, you know, he, b- because of the, you know, uh, El Salvador has been an experiment experimental ground <laughs> for repression historically. That's what created the gangs. <laughs> You know, the, the complete the, the breakdown of the social fabric that held people together. You know, uh, like I said, I, I know people who, who they don't know their grandparents. They got murdered in the fucking uh, quote unquote civil war that was, you know, increased the repression increasing in the 70s, and the 80s, massive genocide, it, 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 rape. I know people who have siblings that are products of, of rape from colonels in the fucking army. You know, like I know a lot of horrible stories about you know in the family dynamics of El Salvador. There's a lot of social trauma that that came out of the 80s because of that repression that was funded by the United States in the context of the whole war, the Cold War, which sent a lot of people to North, you know, to the United States, and and, and that's how these gangs started in 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 Los Angeles, you know, in, in Southern California. Then they went back, you know, there's in it's a whole cycle of violence that you know was exacerbated and and like really has its roots in the eighties for me, you know. Like you cannot talk about the gangs without U.S. intervention in Central America, and, and then the reason El Salvador was fucking basically gutted was because Nicaragua's revolution was successful, you know, because El Salvador was at the footstep of of following the path of. Nicaragua of having a successful armed revolution say what you say about Nicaragua like that's another complicated thing that you had to study in the context of geopolitical maneuvering and who's trying to destroy any sort of radical change you know like and it had its flaws you know in you had to study that case in its, on its own merit you know Nicaragua but again the US was willing to destroy what I call the social fabric of this country, in order to stop its fucking you know the tentacles of quote unquote leftists
2: coming into power. Yeah, isn't El Salvador is the is the place where there was those those Catholic priests and nuns were being killed by death squads and Catholic priests who were like I don't know if they were going above what the what their, what the Pope wanted, but they were like they were radical Catholic priests who were. Fighting against the, the government, um, and because these these, figures, yeah, like, and then you'd have like nuns who were raped and murdered and put in pits and things like that. Um, that's El Salvador, right?
3: Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So Romero was famous. He was the uh, he. he was, they were preaching liberation theology. Yeah. Right. He was talking about Jesus as a revolutionary against injustices. Right. You know they were, and this was happening in small towns. So there was a divide between like the official, the, the church, that was a, you know the capital city, and that were in cahoots with the state, with the state, uh, and the small priests of the small towns, you know, or areas that were more marginalized. Uh, there was a a a, a a a very different gospel being preached, um, and yes, so that happened. They they killed uh, Monsignor Romero in, in, in when he was giving mass. Uh, you know, the state did it, and but no one knows, right, like who killed him. <laughs> and um, on top of that, you know, this is something else that happened, not just in El Salvador, in Guatemala, in Honduras, Central America, Brazil, Latin America. Uh, the Evangelical Christian Church started coming in after liberation theology was a, a threat. You know, and so if you go and look now at the Evangelical Church, the American Church is very pressing in all of Latin America and, and that to me is to break down the the potential of the you know liberation theology of taking root again but yeah i mean it's again bukele <laughs> that's why I, i'm very suspicious of him not because of the dictatorial dictatorial things or, or like the things that they're calling dictatorship but more than anything of like he's when you listen to him, he speaks English. Anyone can go on YouTube and look up his uh, interviews. He's very fluent in English, and beyond English, he's fluent in tech language. He he is basically to to me a tech bro, you know, and that's why he's so his approached to Bitcoin as a uh, potential tool for liberation of the country because he he does talk shit about the IMF and you know all these institutions that we know you know have a strong influence in these countries. Uh, but again, he thinks blockchain and, and and Bitcoin is what's gonna get the country from those tentacles. And I find it very suspicious um, for many reasons.
2: And one last thing, both the US and China congratulated him on his victory, you know, and talked about rule of law and things like that. Not even in a way like, hey, be careful. But basically, saying we we welcome El Salvador into the League, you know nations and celebrating his victory does does El Salvador at this point like does it tilt one way versus another? Because it was interesting to me that both both the Ch- the Chinese government and the U.S. government made equal statements of support for Bukele or congratulations at the very least. I don't know. I I don't I don't think he does like.
3: Uh, He almost reminds me of Perón in in Argentina, like the third way, you know, like not right, not communist, not capitalist, but the third way. And um, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he does go one way or the other, Uh, although he does praise the U.S. He comes to the U.S. and gives speeches all the time, you know, in tech conferences like related to Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I don't think he has outwardly uh stated his
1: support for china if that is what like there is no if there are things behind the curtain i'm not i'm sure there are but if there's anything that he has said that we align ourselves with China, then, uh you know again you brought up um interestingly you said um something about miss universe last year in 2023 i don't know if i don't normally follow it but here in colombia we think Miss Universe, Miss Universe, Miss Universe. So I, I'm starting to get more, Um, all these pageants, these contests are getting in my face. And, you know, I wanted to mention just a historical fact that, that the most egregious example of government violence came in 1975 when at least a dozen university students were shot to death while protesting the use of public funds to hold the Miss Universe contest in El Salvador. That was terrible. Uh, I wanted to also direct us to the um, pandemic or the lockdowns, if if I can, just because I think that that was also an indicator of how he would rule, of how he would behave. And I think that we we are seeing this in two thousand twenty two, two thousand twenty three. But there was this already in two thousand twenty. I mean, Ukele in, in, in instituted a uh, nationwide lockdown, just like in in Colombia. And it was to combat COVID, right? But there was, as I'm going to just read, there was a, lots of people arrested during that time. And you were supposed to be indoors. And I mean, I don't understand how anybody can be indoors when you have to work and you have to take care of your life and do things. 4,236 people were arrested by the National Civil Police for violating the lockdown order. And even organizations that like, would... Acknowledge COVID and the pandemic. Uh, uh, Human Rights Watch have criticized the arrests, citing arbitrary arrests and police abuses. Um, so this is this is already this was already a, a glimpse into the future of what would happen. And I think of it now, just even with what's happening today, it's like this is a glimpse of what's going to happen in the future, and we're going to see. I'm going to state an example of dissidents now being a treasonous act. I'm going to give two examples um but before i do i just want to also expose that in colombia uh, in colombia just in colombia and el salvador uh there have been an explosion of irregularities and corruption during covid which people knew it wasn't a deal as people made it out to be and just like in the uk which mostly had a lot of uh, exposure in the media because of um Boris Johnson trying to uh uh, doing uh, the COVID parties uh, in, in, in his political office, just as that, there was a lot of examples of corruption that were happening during uh, those lockdown times in El Salvador as well, which were given a lot of maybe attention. But obviously the elites in the ruling class knew what was going on. And it wasn't that big of a deal. So they they were violating all kinds of, uh, of, of their own policies and lots of corruption was happening with the, the uh, uh, funding that was going into for COVID. Uh, so I just want people, if people can go and look at it further, just if they want to go see that. I want us to look at just as well. Um, there is this, what I was saying, um, there is this, what do you call it? Hold up, give me, get my, all these tabs I have here. Uh, life of tabs, 100. Um, here we are. Uh, this is a site called the Advocacy for Human Rights in the Americas. So I want us to just look at two examples, which there are more, but I'm not going to go into many because there's so much that we can discuss. But if you look at that site, I'll link it for the um for the episode, so people can look at. There's just a numerous, numerous uh, uh, examples of what happens when you take uh, emergency powers into place, like this government has done. And people think, well, it's just for the gang members. That's what people keep saying it's just because of gang members who they try to. Do this towards no, these are arbitrary detentions that are being made, even onto people quite dissidents. Uh, give me a second here. Um, here, emergency regime to silence dissident voices. This is from again the site I just listed. They stated the state of exception, whose purpose is to reduce violence generated by the gangs, has been used to repress and silence voices critical of the Bukele government's actions, as is the case with the arrest of digital specialist, Mario Gomez, who made statements about the use of Bitcoin and possible financial fraud by the Bukele government. There's another person now, another case of the recent arrest of Luis Alexander Rivas, who published a photo of Twitter, on Twitter of two of of President Bukele's brother with a group of bodyguards. In response, Bukele retaliated and Rivas was charged with crime of contempt. Uh, I don't have any care for much for these people that aren't necessarily people I esteem, but what I'm trying to say is these crimes are not related to gang-generated violence, right? It was carried out under the rules, again, uh, of the emergency regime, which allowed the elimination of some of Riva's constitutional guarantees. not yeah, to say that I love the constitution per se, but anytime you have the emergency powers, dissident voices are going to be squashed. And we see it in the USA with uh, what happened with the Twitter files. We've seen how people held voices and censorship happen when you have, uh, you grant government a lot of emergency powers, and uh, and uh, and and to what I thought Len Greenwald's position was, which I'm not sure anymore. Uh, the civil liberties issue is an important one for me, and for any of us, right? Like to have the freedom of expression, freedom of voice, freedom of speech, excuse me, and uh, and the free of censorship, and. This is exactly what people are going, they're being led, driven into because of safety. And we've seen these boogie people or boogie reasons as to why we need to have safety, right? It's 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 the gangs, or it's the war on drugs, or it's the terrorists, or it's the immigrants, the aliens, right? The undocumented aliens in the USA, invasion, right? That's what the freedom people are, keep supporting borders. And as we discussed last week, I think it was. borders, what happens to one sector of people always infiltrates all sectors of society. So you may have want only the borders, or you may want only gangs in this case, to control the population or control gang members. But what will happen there will then further extend onto the rest of society eventually. That's just how things work. We've seen it everywhere. And we're seeing it even especially in Israel. So I have uh lots of worries and I hope when I hope that my fellow uh Salvadorian friends and 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 um, comrades also look into this further and 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 even the people on in the USA supporting bukele because they hate the gangs and the mad Truchas and all that which if we look at history even in time a lot of these As I was discussing with someone, a lot of these people, because their kids were in danger in El Salvador and their parents were going either to be part of the Salvadorian army or part of the guerrilla forces, a lot of these kids were sent to the USA in California. And a lot of these kids grew up without parents and they became gang members in the USA and the USA deported them back to El Salvador. And then you had an infestation of poverty and people without parental guidance, love. Which is what we need in our communities, right? I was discussing this even with Luis Miguel, who is here and he was on the fence about Bukele, and I said, you know what, we don't need more iron fists. We need more love. We need more art. We need more uh, social workers, but not the ones institutionalized by the education we have, but by uh, indigenous remedies and people who enter these communities to solve these issues at the root of the problem and not to just not to to deal with it at the because of the symptoms. So that's what I hope people will wake up to, but we can only hope. And um, I don't want people to think that I'm not, I have no sympathies to the fears and the plague of violence that people are experiencing in El Salvador. I've been there and I get it.
2: Yeah, and there is a difference between the, the actual like fake, I mean, I would call it the fake boogeyman of the immigrant coming across the border and the experience of uh, small shop owners experiencing extortion—we yeah. hey, I mean, undermine. There's no question that that and and for that to go away, you know, I under we we understand why people might go to it, but I agree. Like like we've been saying here, this is always it's problems, reaction, solution. Here, the solution here is a solution that is going to strengthen the state. Which is only going to deepen the problem for us. Um, and to give an, another example for how problem, you know, reaction, solution, all the, the the all the worries about crime in San Francisco are leading to Proposition E. Which have you heard about that, Eduardo? Proposition E. Mm-hmm.
1: I haven't lived in the USA for the past half year, so yeah. I
2: so check this out: Proposition E, uh, police department policies and protection, or something. Uh, is a package of policy changes that would allow that's San- right, yeah, yeah. That would allow San Francisco Police Department to engage in more high speed chases, permit drone use in pursuits, and grant the department the ability to install new security cameras in public spaces and test new surveillance technology on the public with less oversight. So here it comes, folks, and this is all the shit that's going to be on the border: drones, surveillance, artificial, you know, artificial intelligence, of course. Data, data mining you know and the state will always come up with more ways to try to influence you to say give us power and we'll protect you and it's it's a complete lie
1: you know i sorry kenny can, can i just say one thing i i didn't mean to be so kumbaya at the end of what i was trying to say about healing our communities i i don't like i don't want it to be misinterpreted and people to say well that's easy for you to say over there in your little ice apartment in bogota colombia where you don't experience the violence that we've experienced. I get that. You know what? Here's what I'll say. Instead of saying just art and more uh, love and healing ceremonies in our communities, which we do need. All right, fine. I'll say this. You know, in Mexico, three, four communities, I forget, three or four communities in Mexico have decided that they don't want anything to do with the state police or the drug uh, lords or drug trafficking. And they have taken arms up themselves and decided that they would take care of their own arm, their, their own community. So. I don't, and I don't want to dismiss that and say that I don't get it. Three or four communities in Mexico have decided to do that, as well as the Zapatistas. So they neither take uh, a refuge in the government, nor do they uh, allow for the sort of violence that exists in Mexico to uh, infiltrate their communities, and they fight back. So, if anything, I want people here to fight back as well, such as in San Francisco. They just, well, this is towards uh, technology, but they've just lit up a car. Uh, self-driving car in San Francisco recently. And that's exactly what we should be doing. We should be taking up arms in order to uh, release ourselves from the violence that uh, plague our communities if we feel fear. And we should also have healing uh, uh, remedies to our communities that are, are, are tackling with this issue the families, especially if the families are connected, connected to both young members. Right? Like I, don't, I believe in redemption as well. There are some people that may be too far-fetched for that, and there should be reha- rehabs for that. That's a different conversation about how we can deal with our societal issues. But I, I don't want people to think I'm just being kumbaya here, right? Like I have stated in previous episodes that we need to also take up um, the issue of the border, right? So I just these are examples of what I'm trying to say in order to have alternatives uh, instead of finding refuge in the government, which we'll dedicate another episode, I think we'll do on what the guerrilla forces have done, whether it be here in Colombia, where I have been, In parts where I have been very scared myself to be in those communities with guerrilla forces. Not sure if I support these, but the guerrilla forces in in Guatemala that I think uh, we can discuss, the guerrilla forces in El Salvador, Nicaragua, that might be examples of what we could see and their pitfalls as well of what did not work. Uh, So I just wanted to say that because I almost felt like I I could be uh, undermining people's experiences.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: I, I guess so
3: i get i'm trying to articulate this so I, i've been sold this idea that only the state by monopolizing violence only they can protect us right only they can um, in i mean historically right humans you've had to protect yourself whatever the fuck you had you know uh, a gun, a machete, a knife, or fences, or whatever. And, but I think we're just so married to this idea that only the state can protect us, right? And, and I think that's the pitfall that I see here, right, like in the Salvador, that they think that only the state can provide these solutions, and it is within the parameters of a system that is willing to sacrifice people, okay. you know? And in, in, in again, like naive bukele, like I listened to an, like a two-hour interview where he's talking about Bitcoin, but he goes into other topics. And he knows better. This is why I'm saying that he's a tech bro. He he, he has this language of inclusion, like Bitcoin. He talks about Bitcoin in terms of inclusion of the people, inclusion inclusion of people who don't have banking, to finally have a form of banking, you know, because that's what Bitcoin represents. You know his view. And a- a- again, either he's very naive, eh, bukele, he's very naive, naive, or he's a fucking mastermind. You know of, of some shit because like it, cryptocurrency is 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 the fucking we've talked about blockchain, right? Like th- this is this is in preparation for the next phase of what's coming right, like the the new economy, he fucking knows that, in my view. you know, it's not about fucking banking people. You know, it, it's about getting ahead in, in that fucking game, you know of, of of the next wave of of data mining and and, and all these things. you know it, it, in and so this is what i what I keep saying, like for me, he he is not the the mastermind here. like i I think he's part of a bigger. Game and he wants to ride that wave, you know. And and I do think in some ways when I listen to him, he does believe some of this shit, you know. He 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 does like, uh in. But again, like. He, this whole conversation more than really Salvador led me to, trying to understand what the fuck is Bitcoin about. How does it work? How is money created? What is the aspirations that this country have, you know, in in, in the long term in, in order to save people? And I still don't know. You know, I still have a lot of questions about it. But all that to say is that, as we've discussed in previous episodes, uh, he is casting a net. And in, 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 in the net that worries me the most is not even that repressive net, you know, that that we see that, you know, in the, the obvious terms that we understood classic dictatorships is is that other net where like if you misbehave, if you're not a person you know uh, that that is you know determined worthy in some in some fa- facet of your life, you know you're gonna be shut out of the system, yeah, you know, or nudged in a certain way and and, and, and in some ways, that is way more damaging, you know and and also is 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 it's even more nefarious in this way because it's it, it, it's connected to tech, right? And, and and this the disembodiment of people, you know, that you're just these data points, you know. And 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 so. Again, like I, I think he knows some shit. I, I, I think it's a mix of things. Like, I think he does mean well. But again, I don't believe in fucking saviors, individual saviors, uh, especially in a system. And he's pretending like we talked with uh, Jeff Straw, <laughs> the, 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 the fucking leftists, right? Like he's the, the, the progressives who, who wanna say that they can tame a system because I don't give a fuck about Bitcoin. Like, really, it's, 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 a, it's a medium, really, it, 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 of, of exchange. We still live in a fucking capitalist system. You know, in into into, he is guiding people in people's I think desperation for something different. And I don't believe in saviors. I don't think. I think he's actually guiding people into a fucking uh, what do you call where you kill cows? <laughs> uh, oh, slaughterhouse. Not a slaughterhouse. You know, and and again, like we have to use our imagination in the sense, like I get it. You know, sometimes we get fascinated with like the threat of just like physical violence, but there is fucking other incredible ways of of of, of controlling and and suppressing and destroying people, which I think are coming. You know, more nefarious ways that are, uh, you know, like sold as a benevolent shit as we've talked about you know this whole id 2020 this whole fucking bringing people into the technology technological world banking people you know like i mean he he has to know that the more people you have in the system taking loans (laughs) the more value you can create in the fucking system that's how like the banking system works here and and he's not stupid like the, the Bitcoin is already becoming, you know, part of of, of the official system. You know, in we don't even know who the fuck created it, by the way. But you know, like, so it's this mysterious person. But again, I, 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 I'm so. I see more danger more than like the repression because people have seen the repression. This is, in some ways, it's not new. You know, it's a step up. You know, it's, it's it, 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 and people are choosing, a, like, who wields the violence. And they think that the state will deliver them from, you know, that jail that they were living in. Because, you know, living under the threat of extortion and murder, it's a jail, obviously. Yeah. But they're, they're, they think that they're shaping a new jail with someone who's more benevolent.
2: Yeah, okay. I
1: agree. I agree, and I agree with those concerns. You know, it's a. I agree with you as well, and Kenny. I think it's beyond just the repression. I think people have, especially in our countries, we are used to that kind of repression. We've known how to, you know, there is a more active, nefarious, uh, boogie person coming, and that is the, the. A technocratic state
2: that's coming.
1: Yeah. I I want to conclude because I'm. It, it's okay. I'm a little tired. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm very satisfied with this episode. By the way. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I'm appreciative of Jenny's, uh angle because uh, I didn't uh, share that angle uh, in this episode. Not that I don't share the we're on the same position. I didn't share it in the like I didn't speak about to, to that angle. Yep. Uh, right, and uh, alluding, I alluded as well. to so speaking of tech, I alluded to a self-driving car being burnt in San Francisco, which I'm proud of people doing that uh, in California, which is playground of tech pros, of one of the capitals of the fourth industrial revolution, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Silicon Valley. And um, I hope that we will have a whole episode dedicated to another uh, area that I think is very important, which is the tech at the border. Uh, or geofencing, or this virtual wall that Biden is doing. I mean, who cares what Trump wants, a Wall, a physical wall, which I think is actually better because I people just cross over on the fence. But Biden has actually created a virtual wall. So just as we did with sex tech, uh, and we did a deep dive into sex tech, I think we should do a deep dive into geofencing and dedicate a whole episode to that. Uh, speaking of tech and-, and everything to do with the fourth industrial revolution. Yep. Right. that does it for this week's
3: episode
1: <clears throat> what's left is a weekly political podcast slash channel challenging the mainstream left we post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes. where we found this episode or on our podcast podcast.com. Uh, you can find past episodes to this podcast slash channel there and connect with us I remind folks if you fancy anything of here please subscribe rate the future on your notifications to any of our platforms on a Spotify iTunes podcast, Big Shoot Odyssey, YouTube, Rumble or Telegram, I think of Rambo and I think of Grand Greenwald. He's no longer my boyfriend. So <laughs> you can find our blog and any of those links in the episode notes where you found this episode. Uh, if you would like to give us feedback about something you further suggest something to us, contact us to our blog. Uh, I'm Eduardo Barca with co-hosts uh, Kenny Cepeda and Andy Lipson. And you can find my personal social media handle as at Don Eduardo Barca. Um, and thank you all for listening. Thank you both very much. Kenny, thank you for your insight. Thank you so much, Andy, for this episode. Yes, we've had this Bukele uh, warning and I hope people will heed to it. Yeah, we'll see. Agreed. Right. Thank you. Ciao.